Hello and welcome to Dateline Hamden on New Haven's radio station WNHHFM. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Well, it's a mayoral election year this year, not just in New Haven, but in Hamden as well. And as I just learned, not only will there be a Democratic primary for mayor, but a general election as well, Democrat versus Republican. And one of the two Democrats running for mayor is here in the studio, coming back for a turn appearance, Walter Morton IV. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me today, So Paul. nice to see you, Walter. And you're running for mayor. I am. I and, am. And you're running against an incumbent, Lauren Garrett. I am. So why are you running? Why do you want to be mayor? Yeah. Um, the, you know, 30-second pitch is, uh, is this. You know, I grew up in Hamden. Um, my whole life I've been there. Uh, my family's I've third generation. There's five generations of us total. It's a great community. It's been good to us. Went to its public schools, had an awesome experience. And, you know, in the past decade, I've just definitely see the town kind of going a different, you know, direction with obviously its finances and, you know, the crime. And also firsthand as a board member for seven years, you know, I've seen the cuts and the struggles that we've had to uh, decisions we've had to make uh, in trying to provide a quality education to students. And, uh, you know, I'm not much of a person to complain. My dad always, you know, raised me to uh, hate complaining and say, don't talk about it, be about it. So said so I'll roll my sleeves up and share my vision and my ideas to uh, be the change I'd like to see in the community. So, Walter, you talked a little about your bio in terms of the two sets of questions usually when someone's running for office is who are you and how does that make you able to be a good mayor? And then you also touched on some of the issues you'll be dealing with. So you grew up in the town. Walter Morton IV, your third generation in the town. Yeah, third so the, generation the, the in the town. the first of the four Walter Mortons came from? Uh, my great-grandfather uh, moved up here um, during the Prohibition era and uh, put down roots, actually. Uh, the the family story goes, according to my Aunt Gail, uh, um, he lived in Macon County, Georgia, and uh, him and his brothers, they were actually bootleggers during the uh, Prohibition era. Um, and uh, he wanted out of the life and and uh, didn't want to continue to go that road, so he moved up north, changed his name, last name, everything, and uh, here we are. So what we actually do don't it? know what the, uh, the last name uh, originally was. Oh, you don't know. Yeah. So, uh, we kind of lost that, that little bit of family history. Now you could but... do that with DNA that now they have the stuff you put in your DNA, you'll find your yeah. clothes and matches. Yeah. If you ever, you know, I've done that actually ancestry oh. DNA and it, and it pretty much tracks, uh, it was pretty interesting. So found out, uh, we had some relatives and actually, um, some long lost relatives who were my grand, my grandfather's brother, actually his family, my never had the pleasure of, uh, meet my grandfather on my dad's side, but, uh, passed away very young and after that, my dad and his siblings and uh, his mom, my grandmother, kind of lost touch with you know his his brother, their uncle. But uh, come to find out, they live right here in Hamden, uh, in the New Haven area, and they have some uh, kids that went to Hamden High, and it was actually uh, teachers who knew my sister and I, who are a bit older. Like, are you related to like Walter and Taylor Morton? And oh. so, got a Facebook message one day randomly for someone with the same last name who lived locally that I'd never knew or met, and. Uh, those are my dad's first cousins that uh, he and his I love the way people are finding yeah. people all over the place. And Walter, so it sounds like you got a real history in Hamden. You went, you went to the school there, and you've been in politics for a while too. You worked as a state general assembly staffer for transportation, public health committees. Yeah, you've worked on campaigns. You've worked in nuts and bolts of government. You've been in the military. What did you learn working in the legislature that brings to bear what you could do as on what you can do as a mayor? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think something that uh, Hamden historically hasn't done as well as other municipalities, especially the larger size ones, you know, which we are, we're about top 10, uh, a top 10 municipality in population, um, in population. Um, you know, I see how the New Havens, the Bridgeports, you know, West Hartford's are very good at getting their delegations in Hartford 
um, to bring back money and, and different initiatives, you know, to their community and being very intentional um, with that aspect and also doing it with the, the congressional delegations as well. Um, I've always felt like uh, that's kind of been the part that, uh, you know, we've ignored or perhaps haven't focused on. As you know, um, I did work for the town for three and a half years as its director of legislative affairs and was able to accomplish some great things there, uh, you know, along with the other team of individuals and focus on it. Unfortunately, you know, that position uh, isn't, uh, you know, part of, you know, this administration and still there. But uh, so you worked for Mayor Lang? I did. I so did. tell me something you learned there. Tell me about a day when you were working as a staffer for the town of Hamden where you saw how you could get something done or what the barriers to getting something done or how you could make a difference. Yeah. You know, I think uh, uh, one thing that I got an appreciation for, um, one thing that I truly got an appreciation for while working there was, you know, Board of Ed's different, right? I've been on the Board of Ed and you go to your meetings and you talk to the administration, you go to some events and PTA stuff, but townside. It, but we don't we're not involved in the day to day. So I really got an appreciation for all the little nitty gritty details, nitty gritty details about running, you know, a town on a day to day and the challenges that, you know, encounter with distractions. You know, you come in and you plan to do X, Y and Z, but something unforeseen happens in the community. Um, but also, you know, I really saw how uh, small, you know, organized kind of groups um, I felt kind of welded uh you know, disproportionate, you know, amount of influence, you know, the, the squeaky will gets the grease. Democracy is who shows up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I know for myself at, at board meetings, you know, I always try to keep in mind while I love to see people write in or show up and testify, you know, we got 6,500 students in our school district. So there's, there's 30 people I heard from tonight, you know, so where are those other 6,400 plus democracy? Folks? How do you tell, do they represent disproportionately people who care and get involved and pay attention? They disproportionately pay pay it represent a minority of people who might not benefit from a policy that might benefit a majority like how do you weigh that and still be a democratic government yeah you know it's it's tough i mean you know we're always having you know discussions about how do we you know do our part as elected officials and 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 members of government and being more you know proactive and and getting stuff out to folks and and i think unfortunately a lot of people weren't raised or got the the message along the way like i'm grateful i did for my upbringing with my parents or being involved and advocating for myself and being intentional you know i think a lot of people kind of wait and sit back and think things are supposed to fall in their lap you know because sometimes we'll have meetings and it's like well you know we notice this and we put it on social media and we sent out an email to folks and then people are like well you know i didn't know about it well you know Democracy is a participation sport, right? It's it's a two-way street. You know, the folks, uh, the citizenry has to be educated, right, and and involved and active and proactive. And, you know, the elected officials should do their part, you know, as much as possible to kind of meet them halfway, right? Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It is tough, Paul. I always think about who I'm not hearing from when it comes time to make a decision and, and why not. They don't care. They don't know. doesn't make a difference either way. I don't and, know. And in the, the Board of Ed recently, you had to make tough decisions about cutting some positions. Mm. So what, running for mayor, how are you going to tackle that? Were those the right decisions? Were they the right cuts made? Are there ways you can avoid those cuts realistically without raising taxes? Yeah. So, you know, it, that's that's the challenging thing, right? I mean, this is what really led me to run. It's I came in with certain ideas and initiatives and, you know, the things that I wanted to do and hurt other board members. But over the years, you know, six of the last seven years, the Board of Ed's had to cut, and we've actually had negative growth in our budget. Um, it's actually been one of the... Uh, the portions of our overall town budget that's shrunk the most over the past decade, believe it or not. Other areas of the budget have grown kind of steadily, but we've been in this uh, declining phase. 
Um, and you know, it's challenging to, you know, um, to certainly ask our students to do better, ask staff to do more if we're cutting money from professional development or I give you, you know, an example, we're seeing all the dysregulation that students are, you know, experiencing post COVID. Um, and we don't have, you know, the type of staff that we'd like to have, you know, to treat them. So, so emotional, I, social, emotional, you're talking yeah. about? Social, emotional, behavioral so health how issues. would you get money for that? Where is that money going to come from? Yeah. So, uh, or is it not about money? You know, well, it, it, money is absolutely plays a role in, you know, I've been the finance chair for five years on the board and on finance for seven years. I see how money impacts everything that we do. You can't provide an education and do the things you need to do without having the money first. So, you know, one, I was pretty disappointed to see how the town um, allocated its ARPA dollar, dollars. And that's um, the Federal Pandemic Relief American it, Rescue Plan Act. Exactly. Which I was shocked to see it was only $18 million, and they even got 100 Yeah, well, bigger city, right? Uh, different only choice the size, but eight times yeah. the money. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the metrics that they use to determine who gets what. You know, Hamden's interesting because we do have a lot of need, but there is a good amount of wealth, too, and we don't quite have the scale of issues um, in the way that New Haven has. So we're always in this in between where it's like some folks in elected office feel like we should get more. But if you look at some of the town's demographics, we're not as, you know, we're so a bit where more well off. where did money go that you wish it hadn't? Yeah, well, one, I tell you what I thought was brilliant. Um, you know, I, I was so great to open up the Independent one day and see that New Haven, you know, allocated money and partnered with 10 local nonprofits in the city to send out caseworkers to the homes of students that have been chronically absentee. You know, I know... Before COVID, we were very proud to get our number down to like 13%, you know, chronic absentee rate for the entire district. We're at like 34, 35% what? right a now. A third of the students in Hampton are chronically absent? Yes. And not wow. a peep about what we're doing to get those students back so in what, school. So you would have used ARPA dollars for that? Absolutely. I mean, New Haven was brilliant. I had good policy. They said, we're going to allocate some ARPA dollars to send so would, case would, workers door to door. you not have put the ARPA dollars on? Uh, I don't like the concept of the community center. Um, oh, okay. at the middle school site for one, a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, the first is it's, uh, a place in town. That's not the easiest to get to. Um, the building needs to be knocked down. It's on a site that uh, has been remediated. It'd be interesting to see if any further remediation needs to be done or how big you're of a talking building about project when it used to be nuclear, right? Or... Uh, the Olin, Olin oh, powder yeah, farm. Okay. Um, so, you know, and also given the town's finances, you know, I don't think uh, we should be in the business of, you know, spending, you know, bonded money or or this one time cash revenue that we got from the feds to build some new facility and add a you know pretty significant operational cost. It's like we have a Keefe Center, you know, on Dixwell Avenue that is in need in repairs, in need of repairs. You know, over the years we've cut programming uh, and money from certain Keefe Center initiatives or the Youth Services Bureau. So you know. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to maintain that building, maintain, you know, I don't want it to become, well, we just built some big brand new building and we're going to have all these great supports, but then there's not the money in the budget, you know, right now to provide those supports without obviously having to increase taxes. And we've already got a pretty high tax rate. So, I mean, I think, uh, I don't like the execution, you know, of the plan. I mean, I'm absolutely supportive of, you know, more supports and wraparound services, but I'm like, we have existing facilities and spaces that, I think we could utilize. And frankly, you know, I'd like to see that property given, you know, where the town's finances are. And this is something I'm big on that, uh, you know, I haven't seen from various administrations in town is economic development. You know, mm -hmm. there's 20 some odd acres there of land that's that's partially, you know, developable. I think we should turn that over to a developer who wants to put, you know, whether it's housing there or some co-op space, whatever you want, but something that's going to 
add value to our grand list, contribute in taxes, and you know, shouldn't be another building and space that's off the grand list that's the town's responsibility to kind of maintain. I mean, then we got to grow a way out of it because you alluded to it earlier, Paul. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to cut our way to prosperity to lower the mill rate, right? There's, you know, services that folks expect us to provide, police, fire, you know, education, um, and, and we're pretty lean in a lot of those departments. So I see, you know, our future has to be uh, in generating enough annual and you know, what would you, and Walter growth. Morton the fourth is running for mayor Democratic nomination for mayor in Hamden so how would you pursue economic growth in a way that's different from what the Garrett administration is doing yeah well first thing I would do is is actually develop a plan um, and have one you know for for starters and I've spoken with uh, you know Del Croup uh, former economic development director I've had conversations with our current economic Eric uh, Johnson. Johnson development director former New Haven guy they both said the same thing. The single biggest impediment in Hamden um, uh, to growing our grand lists, attracting new business, is our planning and zoning regulations. And we need to rewrite those, you know, modernize them, update them, allow How so? for uh, greater density of development within existing corridors, you know, allowing mm-hmm. some developers uh, greater flexibility when applying, you know, for applications. And then for also. For use, you mean? Like, mix, what's that? For use, you mean? Yes, like for they, use. Sorry. So use. Um, use uh, use uh, slacking off some of the strict right adjusting things to you know just make it modern how allow about, a little how about parking do you need as much parking still um you know I, I mean honestly we shouldn't right i mean people are driving less we're getting away from cars there's a big push you know about uh you know commuting and transit oriented development you know mm-hmm. like i give you a perfect example i think the plaza uh on middle dixwell is a ripe area for a huge redevelopment project and turning a lot of that wasted parking space um, and the commercial square footage. And I also, it's a great location to put some housing above and go up actually. Right. Um, that's how you get some, you know, density folks. That could be a very cool area. Um, very much a destination if we allowed, uh, some, some new ideas and injected that some fresh blood and thinking and What do they there. say? The guy's from California, right? Who owns that place? Yes. Uh, what Andrew does he Vermont. say about that? Uh, I haven't had the chance to speak with him yet. I've had some dealings with him in the past and some other folks that know him, but you know, I certainly know that folks in the business community are always looking for new opportunities, you know, and places to grow and expand, right, and increase their bottom line. But, you know, there's also a benefit to the town and the community as well. At the plaza, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, smashing grabs or, you know, yeah. people carjacking. What Overall, how is the town approaching crime and how would you do it differently, if any way? Yeah, um, you Public know, I, I, I don't think uh, the current administration has done, you know, the best job. Uh, and their approach at the local level, right? I mean, crime's definitely a complex issue. Um, you know, things that are bigger than what we can just do in Hamden, it definitely requires help from the state and, and federal level. But, you know, I think there's low-hanging fruit and things that we could do to, to, to be better, you know, increasing, you know, patrols, you know, hiring, you know, more officers. Um, and, and then also the other piece is, you know, providing our officers, you know, with the training uh, and the supports that they need um, now, specifically, the are they not like, doing it? Like, do you know of some money that exists that could pay for more of that? Like, why? How would you be able to make that happen yeah, more than um, now? Well, you know, again, I would have liked to see the ARPA money go right back into things that we need today and that are going to contribute right now, right? Like, I think we should have used a portion of the ARPA dollars uh, to set aside the money to do that rewrite of the planning and zoning regulations that mm. I talked about. Um, you know, I think we should have also done a better job of setting aside money. Um, to provide grants to local businesses to do upgrades, you know, to their facilities. I mean, 
you know, we got $18 million. They only allocated uh, $99,999 to grants for businesses with a cap of $5,000. So, I mean, that's at best, you know, so with the, 20 with grants. The Keefs, not doing the Keefe Center, would that have been enough money to use for all these different uses like policing, yeah, small well, business growth, it, rewrite the regs? Yeah, and, and, and to be clear, uh, Paul, um, you know, it's not the Keefe Center. They want to build an entirely new facility I mean, the at new the one, side I, of the yeah, old middle school. Yes, the yes. So would that have been enough money saved? How much would that have saved? Yeah, well, they the initial plans they showed was for about $16 million of the 18. Mm -hmm. I think they've tentatively approved $10 million and said it could be, you know, more money. Uh, they'll approve later. But the projected cost is, you know, to be $50 million. I mean, I haven't seen any sketches or drawings or anything kind of firm about what the total dollar amount will be. It's kind of... Uh, and how about the new police uh, chief? How point. are you feeling? That it looks like they're not going to go with Weiger, who's the acting. Who yeah. would you like to see be the chief? You know, um, I'm kind of shocked that she hasn't made an appointment yet for police chief. Um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, when Kurt was, you know, in office, a lot of, uh, you know, issues with the legislative council because people on both sides of the aisle were like, well, we want a, a police chief and send someone down and not an acting. And, you know, uh, there was... The council was holding up doing other business waiting for it. So I think it's kind of interesting that she's there now and there's been an acting chief. So now when is they year. Think they should have a, a permanent would it be wiser in your case? Would you know, it be one of the other I think it was uh John Vilek was actually coming here next on the air and um uh Sydney Collier, weren't they the finalists? So you thinking? know, I oh, uh, no 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 it wasn't Sydney Collier, it was a former um I'm sorry, blank on his name now, a former New Haven uh lieutenant. Mike McKee Miller. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, I know there are some applicants, you know, I, I'm not familiar with, you know, all of them and where exactly the process is. I know folks in the community and I see it on, you know, social media and then some door knocking of where it stands. It hasn't been exactly clear where exactly in the process that is, who exactly the, the finalists are, you know, what exactly they're looking for and, and a deadline. So it's tough to kind of form an opinion about what should be done when you don't know where things stand and, you know, kind of the parameters. I tell you this, uh, I don't think it should take a year. Uh, to appoint a police chief, especially in the middle of, you know, a bit of a crime spike in Hamden. I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, part of uh, why, uh, you know, part of the job of a mayor is to pick department heads and allow them to do their job and support them in doing their job. And when you got someone who's been there for acting, it raises a lot of questions about who's in charge. Are they going to be a long-term person? Are the folks under them buying into, you know, what they're going for? Um, so, you know, the continuity of things. So I, it's, I, I don't see, again, why it should take a year. Um, you know, but uh, how are you feeling about Chief Weiser? Would you have appointed him? You know, I think he's I think he's great. I think he's done a good job. You know, I know his brother's retired, uh, retired police chief as well. You know, Hamden family. He definitely seems like he's, uh, you know, next in line. Um, you know, nothing against the other candidates who uh, the few that I'm familiar with who seem great and qualified. But I think it's something to be said to go for uh, a hometown person with experience, knows the department. I've Worked with him um, recently since getting back home from my deployment in his capacity mm -hmm. as acting chief on some MOUs with the school resource resource officers. It's professional, uh, really genuine, and and I find him to be incredibly self reflective and 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 open to, um, you know, criticisms or or constructive criticisms about how you know police can be better just in Hamden and with the department and areas for improvement. I found him, you know, it's always refreshing to see that. You know, so I, would you pick him? Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. No comment. Okay. <laughs> no comment. Before I let you go, tell me about, um, you've worked on campaigns for Joe Biden. We were with you up in New Hampshire. Yes, when you yes. on doors. You worked for Ned Lamont. Do you have a political model? Is there someone you look to? Is... Um, yeah. 
you know, it, it, you're actually looking for someone who's uh, who's in politics. Could be anyone. Who yeah. Um, you know, I I've always had a lot of respect for my father, actually, not a politician at all. Um, but I love how he's always carried himself, very articulate person and uh, patient, but uh, has a love of folks and it's very reasonable. My dad has been great at making friends and, and getting to know and appreciate people regardless of what folks might look at and used to, you know, divide them and separate them. So I try to take that approach to politics and, and realize that, you know, there's still people underneath it all, right? And uh, they got the same type of issues and things that I have and try to, you know, see the best in folks and, and their humanity and not get caught up in the party politics of things so i did get my old man walter walter morton the third the third and walter morton the fourth that's thank me you for joining us on dateline thank you paul and um you'll be running for the democratic nomination for mayor in hamden on september 12th yes two, i will you said you had the number of days two days at two months two months 29 days until september 12th uh well at this point it's about what 18, 17 hours, 17 <laughs> hours and change. So. Well, good luck so on the trail, enough. sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for appreciate coming, it, Paul. Hold on tight. Thanks to Harry Joseph Drills. We're going to take a break and then come back to talk about the recent Randy Cox $45 million verdict. I mean, not verdict, settlement that the city has reached with a with man who was paralyzed in a case of police misconduct. So hold tight. Listen to the Afro-Semitic experience, and we'll be right back at you on WNHHFM New Haven's home for community radio. Thank you.